All right, New York Liberty fans, the WNBA Finals would indeed end in four games. The New York Liberty fall to the Las Vegas Aces 70-69, came down to the wire. We have Jeff Magliacetti joining us here, uh, part of the Liberty Beat uh, and, and media core here. So Jeff, you're our, our guest along with Brian Florentin. We're going to start with you. Uh, what were some of the things that stood out to you after game four? Well, first of all, Erica, let me just say it's uh, good to be here. It's great to uh, collaborate with you as always. But um, I think one of the things that um, really stood out to me was that New York was able to take a big lead, which is exactly what, you know, championships ch teams have to do. Championship teams do the ordinary things extraordinary well. And I don't think it can be denied that so much was accomplished in New York this season. Obviously they fell, it sounds cliche, but obviously they fell short of the big goal, but they accomplished so much. And one can't deny how much, how much it meant that Vegas did this championship song and dance once before. Having said that, this is going to be one that kind of stings for a while. The game was winnable. It was right there. What the big the, the ultimate sin of this game truly was not pulling away when they had the chance. They let Asia Wilson, they let them linger around a little bit, and Asia Wilson saw that. And from the get-go, the second I saw the Chelsea Gray Kia Stokes news, I was like, well, if Asia Wilson wanted an MVP case, well, gosh darn it, she's got it. because And she took full advantage, particularly in the second half. A WNBA record, 16 defensive rebounds in this game tonight. She took over and was a well-deserved MVP. So, again, this one will sting for a while, but from a New York perspective, if you're looking for a silver lining or optimism in any way, not an excuse, dare say, but you can't deny how much doing this championship thing once before played so well in Vegas's favor. Indeed, it looked... Indeed, it looked that way, and it was just about not being able to close out the game. And we want to talk about how the players reacted, um, but I think we also have to talk about, Brian, that as Jeff alluded to, you have two starters out for Las Vegas. You saw how the Aces played on this court in Game 3, and it was a departure from Game 3. Yeah. It was very much, I was I was telling some of the folks on Press Row throughout the game, that the vibe just felt odd. It just felt like they were up, but they just didn't really drive drive them all the way down the way they needed to. And the tricky thing about games like this is that you let a team linger long enough, it's, oh, 10-point lead, down to six. Six, oh, wow, it's tied. Next thing you know, they're up there in front, okay. yep. heading into the fourth quarter. And it's it, it felt like... It just felt like there was just like an uneasiness in the air throughout the night, and the crowd was trying to will them through. And then when they went on that run in the fourth, I thought, okay, this is the moment where they just sort of turn on the Jets and really get through, but they just couldn't. They tied it a couple times, but just couldn't get ahead. And since they couldn't get ahead, they just let Vegas hang around long enough, and then they just run out of time. And I think what also stands out to me after this game is Jonquil Jones, she had less than 10 points in this game. The Las Vegas Aces, without Kia Stokes, without Chelsea Gray, were able to somehow dominate the paint. You know, we, we've talked about on Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, that the New York Liberty and, and Jonquil Jones in particular talks about mucking it up. You know, and the Liberty, there was they there was mucking, but it wasn't them mucking. Um, Jeff, it really was 
kind of an, a, a gnarly game, a close game that we had anticipated in the regular season, even throughout the uh, in the Commissioner's Cup, and we finally get it in Game 4. Not a pretty game, I would say, from either side. What a very, very, very weird matchup these two teams played this season because against anyone else, against any of their 10 WNBA sisters out there, they look like world beaters. They look dominant. But when they played each other, there was, there, there's, like Brian was saying, something very weird, awkward in the air. I mean, go back to the Commissioner's Cup. Would it take three minutes for either team to score a point in that game? Yeah. Tonight's game in the early stages almost had the makings of a preseason game almost, uh, or at least like the quote-unquote dress rehearsal stage of a preseason game because Vegas was trying to figure out a new lineup a little bit, and New York, again, did the ordinary things extraordinary well. They took a 10-point lead. They got the crowd into it. But the thing is, they tried to get the crowd maybe a bit too into it. They started rushing a little bit. Instead of pulling away, they kind of tried to, you know, pump up the crowd. Now, look, listen. I obviously don't want to judge anyone's decisions. I never played the game professionally, you know. Unfortunately, my, you know, CYO All-Star from the eighth grade, that doesn't really, that kind of pales in comparison to the plethora of, you know, to, 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 the, to what Sabrina brought over from Oregon alone. So I don't want to, you know, judge anybody by his decisions, of course. But at the same time, there was just an aura of, you know, wanting to please the crowd, rushing up three-pointers a little bit, literally shoot the roof off this place and move forward. And again, you know, it's so impressive what the Liberty were able to do this season because so many things could have gone wrong for this group, and a few things did go wrong for this group. Let's not, let, let's let's not act like the, the the entire the it was a seafoam paved path to greatness here. But at the same time, you know they accomplished so much, but they fell short of that ultimate goal. This is going to be a real interesting series to for the next few years, especially if all the major players, you know, re-up with their respective organizations. And, you know, obviously this is a podcast for New York Liberty fans, but Brian, you know on the podcast that we talk all the time about the storylines, and they will continue throughout the offseason. Um, I saw on social media, obviously we're here at the game, so we weren't watching, but that there was a, apparently a shot of Sabrina Ionescu getting sick during the game. Yeah, yeah she threw up. Yeah, she threw up on the bench during the game. So, you know, Sabrina Ionescu up-chucking. We talked about that in the Connecticut series. Um, also, Brianna Stewart, we talked about it with Misha maybe a, a couple of episodes ago. Just didn't look like herself. And, Brian, you know that I've been tooting the horn of when is the right time to get Sabrina, or excuse me, um, Brianna Stewart some rest. And I don't know if the New York Liberty quite figured out that formula. And I think also Jonquil Jones, she looked gassed in this game. This is a game that if we just go personnel for personnel, that I think the New York Liberty should have been able to exploit the paint, but they couldn't. And I think that had to do a lot with John Quill Jones not being in the zone. We did get a little bit more from Courtney Vandersloot, but I don't know if it was enough. We got a little bit more from Sabrina Ionescu, but I, I don't have to think. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to get to game five. If I may, one thing I did want to say was that I was very shocked that Steph Dolson was kept on the bench in the entire second half because Steph, Steph Dolson had four minutes of action in the second quarter, and those four minutes convinced me, okay, we're going to a game four. There was a point in the game, I believe, it was 29 A game five. Yes. I'm, oh, my God. Yeah, wow. La, la, last game of the season. Can't hold anything back. But... Um, no, but um, there was a point where it was 
and uh, Steph hit a deep two as the shot clock expired. She got back on defense and was draped all over Asia Wilson. And, you know, that ignited, that shot ignited, I believe, a 10-2 Liberty run to end the second quarter. And everything about that stretch kind of had the makings of, uh, you know, this is it. This is, you know, this is the turning point because, you know, but instead it goes down as Becky Hammond's magnum opus to the point where she, you know, if there, look, if there was a point for the Liberty to showcase their depth tonight, this was it, considering what Vegas did, you know. They should have hounded the interior. They should have forced Vegas's bench to get even smaller than it was before. I mean, look, that guy invaded the paint better than that, that guy. That guy invaded. That, that guy knew what he was doing. That guy knew what he was doing with the invading the paint. But um, look, again, I was sh shocked to see uh, Steph Dolson play only four minutes. And um, you know, don't be afraid to use that depth. Don't be afraid to you know try a little something different obviously there is the source of crowd pleasing and they've done a good job with that there's no doubt that this team loves their fans and whatnot and they love to play off that energy but at the same time you can't be afraid to let some of the lesser heralded stars push themselves forward and help you uh you know get on the right path i mean there's a saying right brian you live you die and i think that's ultimately what sandy brondello was doing she wanted to live and die by the way the new york liberty play and she even said as much she was asked a very um pointed question why not give the ball or put the ball in sabrina Inescu's hands because the liberty they gotta stop on the defensive side late in the game and then they had 8.8 .8 seconds in their half to get something going, and they ran it through Brianna Stewart. What are your thoughts about that? Honestly, I'm always of the belief that when 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 when, when the game is on the line, get it to your best player, trust that they can do something good. And she was able to when she got once 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 Vegas defense collapsed on her, she was able to kick it out to Laney, swing it out to Vander Sloot, and maybe Sloot had half a second longer than she thought instead of rushing. But it's one of those situations where I'd want to put the ball in the hands of my best player every single time. And I think you live with that result. And even though it didn't work out, you show that, hey, this is a player that brought us here to this point. I'm going to trust you one more time to get me something good, either a basket for yourself, a basket for a teammate, or a trip to the free throw line. You just got to trust your players to really get that last break that they need. In theory, I agree with that. I guess where... And I, we've gone back and forth on this on the podcast. I think the difficulty for Sandy Brondello is that Brianna Stewart, definitely that person in the regular season. John Quell Jones, overwhelmingly that player in the playoffs. But it wasn't clear cut who that player was down the wire in game four. And so I guess by default, you go with Brianna Stewart. But if I'm being honest, I thought Stewie had looked gassed since the beginning of this series. And her shots, a lot of the Liberty shots, looked forced or rushed. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, and like you said, you live with that. And that's exactly what Sandy Brondello told us post-game. Um, but I think the New York Liberty um, are going to have to, as John Quell Jones had been telling the team, figure out a way to learn from this. And I think for me, they have to hit another gear. 
and they can't rely solely on Brianna Stewart or John Quill Jones to do that because if they play a team like the Aces, we know Dallas has a lot of post um, size. If they play a team like that down the wire, those teams are going to figure a way to eliminate John Quill Jones and clog up the paint. So then what are your wings? What are your guards going to do? And I think at times that was the missing ingredient. The intriguing part about this season is like now that now they know what to do. Now they have, you know, you hesitate to call them mulligan because, you know, there was so much hype. There was so much, uh, there was so much championship expectations around this group. And by the way, well said about John Quill Jones. I mean, if not for Asia Wilson, you know, literally putting the team on her back, both teams on her back, literally out there, John Quill Jones could have had a well Chuck Halley Super Bowl five case out there, uh, you know, being the MVP for the losing team. But having said that about John Quill, look, I thought what the Liberty did well at several points this season, they found new ways to win. Oftentimes, like, honestly, I, I need new fantasies. I'm, I'm lame as all heck, but one of my biggest fantasies is I want to see Jay Wright coach a Sabrina Ionescu team just once in my life because what he was able to do at Villanova and what Ionescu does at the guard spot, what she does from deep, I want to see it just one time. But having said that, you know, the Liberty, you know, made their bread and butter on three-pointers so many times throughout the seasons. Eventually, teams figured that out. You know, we saw in the Washington series, the Liberty made, you know, their bread and butter with passing. They And Washington held them down to, I want to say, it was 19 assists in one game, which is low for New York. I, that's that's a decent number elsewhere. That's low for New York. All I know is that the assist percentage was the lowest it had been in a long time. But New York found different ways to win in those games, and they didn't do that this time around. They tried to stick with what worked. They tried to play the greatest hits in a sense, but unfortunately new material was needed this time around. And again, we've all said it in one way or another. It's something that we talked about coming into this series. And... We have to go there. It's something that apparently Kelsey Plum also alluded to. We were already in the back. But, um, you know, super teams aren't made overnight. And, you know, Brian, we've been talking about it on the podcast. I wrote a story about it on CBS. Uh, as someone who covers the New York Liberty, did it kind of hurt to see that that was said after the Aces win a championship? Sure. But that's what we've been saying. And you know what? If we're keeping it 100%, we take the feels out of it. Kelsey Plum has earned the right to make that case and state that fact. She came in as a number one pick with a San Antonio team. She went down with an injury early. Uh, and everyone was questioning, was she the right pick at number one? Is she a bust? All of this, all that jazz, when Bill Ambeer wasn't necessarily putting the ball in her hands, there were lots of questions with Plum. And she went through you know, her paces with that Aces squad. She's felt defeat in the semifinals and the finals, as has Asia Wilson. And we have a player like that in John Quell Jones. When is it her time? When is it her time? We don't know yet. Uh, but we have to, excuse me. When is it her time? We don't know. Will this be character building? Absolutely. And yes, Kelsey Plum, super teams are not built overnight. You're absolutely right. Excuse me. Super teams are not built overnight. And so we'll have to see how the New York Liberty come back. But I think they have a, a, a Hall of Fame coach. 
They've got future Hall of Famers on this roster. I think they just got to get a little more gritty. Yeah. It's the first year for a team like this is always the hardest. Like you like you make it to the t like you make it to the finish line, but then something just gets in the way and then year two tends to be a little bit better. So I think with this group, having everyone healthy to start next year will be a great benefit. Like JJ spent three months really recovering from her foot fracture. That really impacted the way the team played. That's where Stewart's minutes goes, having to count her to sort of bail her out because JJ wasn't there yet. So now having a fully healthy offseason, not having to rehab a, a foot injury, having to do that the transition to a new team, having that second year with the core group is going to be very valuable. A lot of the core players are back next year, Laney, Thornton, Sabrina, Vandersloot. So just making sure that you keep everyone together, you make sure that everyone sort of learns from this experience and can come back next year really ready, excuse me, really ready to go and making sure that they don't really start off on a fairly slow for, for their expectations st start. That way they can rest their players a little bit more throughout the season, not having to really exert that energy to pull out games early on. And then when playoff come, time comes, they can really sort of manage the field a little bit better that way. If I, if I may, real quick, I just wanted to uh, say, well said on bringing all those core players back. I think that the underrated Jonathan Cobb's magnum opus may be getting, maybe locking up three players before this kind of song and dance hole started. He locked up Sabrina Ionescu. Now, I'm certainly don't want to cause any speculation. I don't want to say I don't want to start any rumors, but I felt personally, this is just a this is just a theory on my end. I thought it was big for him to lock up Sabrina Ionescu before news of the Bay Area team breaks out because you know that, that the temptation is not there at least for a little while longer. That was a smart move. But then before the playoffs, he locks up Laney, who has been you know one of one of the one of the starters of this group. One of the she was there from the start. She was there in 2021, took over this team when UNESCO suffered a few overuse injuries in the early going. She kept the team on track. Great job keeping her. But Kayla Thornton's another one. She's She is locked up on this group. It seemed like at several points a season, Kayla Thornton saved the season almost. Like, anytime you needed a clutch three, Kayla Thornton was there. You needed a stop. Kayla Thornton got on them. And, and, let's, and let's be real. With this hostile takeover, uh, Malarkey, uh, not hostile takeover, hostile landing malarkey. Kayla Thornton's entitled to some financial compensation with some of the calls we've seen over the rest of the league. But. Well, we're going to leave that one there. <laughs> but um, listen, a lot more to come from us in the offseason. But as you can probably see, including all the people walking right in front of our camera, they are packing it up here at Barclays Center. So we are going to bid you adieu at least for this WNBA Finals. But um, Jeff Magliacetti, Brian Florentin, thank you for joining us so much on this last Gotta Get Up episode of the 2023 season. But New York Liberty fans, be very proud of your squad. And when we know more about exit interviews, we will come with that. All right, peace out, everybody.